San Francisco, an oasis of civilization in the California desert. Uh, tell me, do you share my high opinion of San Francisco? Welcome to The Door Stays Open, a podcast about San Francisco's retail past, present, and future. My name is Annie Wilson. I'm a San Francisco native who spent their entire career in some aspect of the retail industry. I'm also a writer and now a podcast host. I'll be talking about our city's retail life with friends, retailers, entrepreneurs, and visionaries, those with years in the retail trenches and those looking ahead to what's next. Is it crazy to want to start a retail business in 2021? Does anyone even shop in San Francisco anymore? Where do we go from here? I'm not sure, but I'm hoping you'll join me while I try and find out. I snuck in there a couple weeks ago and um, there were a couple teenagers in there and it was, I just, I almost laughed out loud because this, the girl was, it was a, a girl and her brother and the girl said, she's like, Hey, over here, do you want a raccoon foot? And I was like, that's okay. <laughs> like, hear that. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Paxton Gate. Would you like a raccoon foot? <laughs> On the sunny side of Valencia Street in the Mission District, you will find one of the more darkly beautiful stores in San Francisco. Paxton Gate offers its signature brand of curiously mind-expanding oddities inspired by the natural sciences and a large space that invites exploration and discovery. A cabinet of curiosities for the modern home, Paxton Gate redefines luxury decor items for a discerning clientele. Founder Sean Quigley is my guest today, and we talk about how he grew the business from a gardening supply store with a few quirky beetles to a full range of minerals, taxidermy, plants, art, preserved insects, and an endless array of unexpected surprises. I'm Annie Wilson. Welcome to The Door Stays Open. Okay, so I am welcoming Sean Quigley of Paxton Gate today on the podcast. Welcome. Thanks for being here. Hello. So let's begin at the beginning. Um, what was your first retail job? Did you ever work in retail before owning a store? Yeah, if you mean retail as in uh, merchandise sales, my first retail job was Baxton Gate. Really? Okay. Wow. For having never worked in a retail store before. Wait, and what was that like? <laughs> uh, there's definitely a large learning curve. I remember a... Uh, my roommate, one of my roommates at the time, came in really early on, and uh, she worked at, I think it was like Z Gallery or something. I don't think they're around mm-hmm. anymore. And uh, the store was just silent, and, and she was like, "You need music. <laughs> like it feels <laughs> creepy in here." <laughs> so, we're like, "Oh, music, okay." So then we got like a little boombox, and you know, it was the early '90s, so cassette. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, but that's good that you had somebody to tell you all those little details to Yeah, yeah. yeah. So learn along yeah. the way. You know, trial and error. Um, I would uh I I think at one point a few years in when I felt like the displays were kind of you know dwindling and not not you know not not at the level that I had you know, had them at one point or what they should be, I kind of went around mm-hmm. to other stores for inspiration, you know. Mm-hmm. Less less how-to and more inspiration, but probably a little how-to there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, definitely just kind of like many things, I figured it out as I went. Right. But th- I mean, that's a really good instinct because that's what they taught us when I was in fashion school. 
about merchandising, they would sort of send us out into stores and it was sort of like, well, what are you seeing? What is, you know, how are they presenting it? What's the color at the front of the store? What's moved back? What's, you know, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, that's a good one. That's a good lesson. Um, So you actually started in landscape design. No, it came at the same time. So the the store was originally Paxton Gate was like a quirky gardening store and we offered some gardening services. Okay. Okay. And why gardening? Um, I actually had a partner for the first couple of years mm-hmm. and uh, uh, actually he and a, what would have been a third partner had, had started the idea. They had got this space on Brady Alley mm-hmm. or Stevenson Alley off of Brady Alley, um, you know, for $80 a month or something ridiculously cheap. You know, that would never happen now. And uh, they were kind of tossing around this, this idea of, of opening a gardening store of sorts they were both uh, gardeners for their income. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a bartender at the time and in college. Uh, and uh, In I San know, Francisco? In San Francisco, yeah. Which yeah. bar? Um, I worked at uh, many bars around 16th and Valencia. So okay. uh, Dr. Bombay's, which is, is that still, it became Double Dutch eventually. Maybe that is Double Dutch still there? I love do- Double Dutch, yes. Um, yeah. I was at, uh, my longest stint was at Kilowatt. I was there for mm-hmm. the beginning for about 10 years. Uh, Casanova, I was there for a while. So mm-hmm. very all the, all the spots. There. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so bartender by night and starting a store by day. Yeah. And that, that proved to be um, a, a good way to supplement one's income while trying to build a business. And mm-hmm. that, it actually is ended up why my, so the, the third partner ended up kind of getting cold feet before we really got going. They brought me in at one point. Um, and so he kind of backed out and then it was uh, just two of us. Uh, we opened it. And then a couple of years later, my, my partner who was tried to do all his income on the side as a gardener mm-hmm. um, couldn't do it very well. Cause it was like, you know, we're open five or six days a week. And then he's trying to squeeze in gardening in the morning right. before we open and stuff. And I could work. You know, a couple nights and you know at the time that was enough to survive on in San Francisco mm-hmm. um, so after uh, not paying ourselves for a couple of years he decided to move on yeah <laughs> that's funny for many more years <laughs> like, what do you what do you mean you wanted to make money <laughs> so is that because of like the bartending locale is that how you started to see spots in the mission when it was time to really like get into a bigger space yeah and i actually i i looked around so i was drawn to the mission um i at that point i think around 94 i moved to 23rd in york okay um and i was there until just uh, six or seven years ago where i I moved three blocks away from there (laughs) so Mm -hmm. not very far um but i actually looked around you know so we were in that original small alley location mm-hmm. for about seven years so 92 to 99 ultimately but probably in 98 or so I started I went I applied for a small business loan and started looking at neighborhoods and I looked along Valencia um, and I really liked I mean that's when there were you know still like little clubs there and stuff and the restaurants were just starting to show up yeah it was really just uh, a lot of furniture showrooms, like yeah, old furniture, furniture rooms, mm-hmm. some bars and, and some 
clubs. Um, and then I also looked at um, Hayes Valley, which at that time was more uh, art galleries than it is now, it seems, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. I felt like a ah, retail store might, you know, this seems like a gallery area. And I looked in uh, Noe Valley as well, and it just seemed too established. And I, I kind of mm-hmm. liked it going to a neighborhood that was not not quite a shopping destination yet, you know, and being part of what, you know, building that that area. Mm-hmm. So I kept getting drawn back to the mission and to Valencia in particular. And found so that was more, it was more about like getting, like building that up more than like going in and knowing you were still taking a risk because it was still pretty unknown. Like it wasn't, it wasn't the Valencia that it is today. No, not by far. No. Yeah. It was only, you know, we moved into the Valencia location in 99, um, which I was going to say doesn't seem that long ago, but it is really long ago. Actually. <laughs> uh, that's uh, about 20 years, <laughs> 22. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it's changed. I mean, there is a lot more gang activity then. I mean, there was someone got shot in the, the Mission Playground Park, I think a few weeks after we opened. They were fine. Yeah actually saw the person like walking to the ambulance um so it's definitely a little scarier then but for for some reason it uh i just like the idea of, of kind of starting from scratch better than going into a predetermined neighborhood mm-hmm. also the cost i mean I, I don't remember what the rents would have been but you know going into somewhere that's already a established shopping district would have i'm sure cost twice as much if not right more. right well, I mean, given just the rents now, even on spaces that have been sitting empty for a really long time, um, and they're still astronomical, you'd think people would be like, oh yeah, let's just get somebody in here. You know, <laughs> like, I don't, let's... I don't get the logic. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't either. I don't, I really I'll need don't. It for five years or 10 years, as opposed to lowering the price. Like, yeah. So when you first opened, <clears throat> it was what was the product range? So it was garden items. And then how did it develop from that? So we, I mean, we had, so we went from about 300 square feet of retail space at the original location mm-hmm. to uh, what do we have now? More like uh, 2000 square feet. It's a big so. store. Yeah. Plus the outdoor space, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so we expanded everything. Of course, that so we had and got more of everything. We, you know, we had, plants and tillandsias, the, the air plants, and we expanded our plant selection. We also, at the original location, we had done a, um, I don't remember how often, maybe quarterly, every few months or so, we would uh, set up uh, with an artist to do an opening and we would actually clear all the merchandise out of the tiny little mm. store and make it a gallery for uh, uh, a weekend, I think we did it. Mm-hmm. And as we said in our press releases, the merchandise would kind of creep its way back in. So it, it was kind of cool. This, 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 the original space had, I think, 14 foot ceilings. They were really, really high. And it was, it was actually taller than it is wide. Mm. And so you'd have this space suddenly with this big wood floor and you know, walls covered with art. You know, sometimes it'd be sculptural or 2D art. So in the new location, which is our, still our current location, we, there was a back room that initially not a lot of people know this was a gallery. So we're like, mm-hmm. hey, instead of having to empty the store <laughs> entirely to make the right. gallery for a weekend, um, let's actually set up a gallery. So the whole, what is now the kind of the plant room uh, mm-hmm. was an art gallery. And so if you'll notice still the lighting is different back there. Mm-hmm. 
designed for flexibility around. Right. Pieces. So that was one big uh, new area was to have uh, a permanent art uh, section. Um, we also had tea originally, dry tea. Yeah, okay. I'm not, I'm not sure where that inspiration came from, or maybe I just liked tea at the time. Um, did that for a while. We kind of expanded. We had, like I said, the plants, but we expanded into floral, dried floral, flower arranging supplies. Um, and we had done at the original location for a few Christmases, we had done, um, there was a tattoo, not tattoo, a taxidermy artist uh, named uh, Jeannie M who used to do these angel mice. So they're taxidermy mice oh, with wow. white angel wings. Wow. When we were kind of like, we had insects by then and, and we were kind of the quirky uh, plant and bug store. <laughs> okay. <laughs> those would those would appear uh, just at Christmas for a couple of years. Like okay. I was actually a little hesitant to like go full on into that that realm. Really? Yeah. And, and so what I, what was the tipping point that made you really go for it? I think that it just it saw I saw people's attraction to that side of what we mm -hmm. were carrying and the oddities, and I kind of purposely was like, oh, this is what people want. So yeah. Well, when this is totally like ancillary story but like I went to uh UC Davis for undergrad and I um when I was I was studying art there and I wasn't doing the MFA I was still an undergrad but the MFA program artists would they each had their own gallery and they did a big night where everybody could come in and see their galleries there was a guy in the MFA program at the time and I wish I remembered his name and knew where he was now, but he would go around the country roads around Davis and find roadkill mm -hmm. and do, he would mummify them and he would mm -hmm. do these mummies of these animals and his entire, you know, it's maybe like a, a 300 square foot little cube in the art building that each mm -hmm. grad student got was like a Victorian lounge with these weird shelves of like mummified right. animals everywhere <laughs> and, I, and it was like really cool because he was kind of a fun guy but then it was kind of like this is the craziest thing i've ever encountered but right. there, maybe there was something in the air in the late 90s of like <laughs> she, she used to do uh roadkill stuff too so. yeah yeah and i remember a quote from her being like something along the lines of like coming upon roadkill and, and, and looking at it and be like, there's still some good parts there. Yeah. <laughs> so she started yeah. art out of it. So that was, that was how we got into that. And it, it just, I think it slowly grew over time and we started getting, we started carrying her stuff you know, throughout the year instead mm -hmm. of just, um, at the, you know, the angel mice at Christmas. Uh, Does she still do taxidermy for you? No, she did for a really long time. She was a bookkeeper the whole time. I'm not sure if she's doing that still. Mm. Um, we're uh, still friends then. Yeah. yeah. And, and I asked, I put this in our list of questions, but like, have you been to day roll? Had you seen it before you started this store idea? No, it, that I learned of that. Uh, I don't know how long ago, but, but um, many years after. Uh, yeah. Probably even after I moved to Valencia, because that's when we really started getting the, the bigger taxidermy. In. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He only went there uh, about two years ago. Yeah. I just uh, what did you think it was cool and I, and actually I have to admit it it's sort of there was part of it that uh like we don't do there was a era especially early 2000s I guess at, at mm -hmm. Paxton Cape where we did a lot more and and the original location where we did a lot more 
kind of hands-on with the insects and we had academy mm -hmm. cases with selections of insects that we had you know spread and mounted and and, mm -hmm. and framed if needed uh, and i i saw that there again and i was like oh i kind of missed that you know because they they still have that component they've got yeah. of course, tons of amazing taxonomy as well yeah yeah there is that, that kind of entomology side of it and that sort of scientific side that we still do but not not as much i mean i used to do it myself in the store and I definitely right well and they're and they kind of they almost keep well of course they their history is that they were the taxidermists to the royalty and the nobility who would go on these hunts and stuff but they also had that academic scientific background of like mm -hmm. So and so went and trapped all these butterflies in Africa, and they're bringing them back. And like, we're gonna do it. And yeah, so it's just it's a it's an interesting history. Um, it's an interesting store. It's beautiful, and I I mean I definitely I think of Paxton Gate when I go in there, and I haven't been there probably in about two or four years either, five years, um, and then and vice versa. So it's you yeah. know it, it just it, I love that like you know these animals look like they're gonna talk to you. Right, right, right. <laughs> I mean, they look like, you know, if you reached out and pet them, they might respond or they might not, you know, like you don't really know. Um, yeah. so, funny. I was there with my wife and daughter and, we, and uh, I'm, I'm, I tend to be sort of low key when it comes to passing mm -hmm. and being the founder. Mm -hmm. Like you should tell them who you are. I'm like, no, I'm not, they're not even going to know who I am anyways. And, and we were buying something and uh she was like, have you heard of Paxton Gate? <laughs> and and the, the the teller, the salesperson was like, oh, yeah, I've heard about it. Yeah. I've seen it online. And she's like, he owns it. <laughs> like, <"All> right. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. For me. Yeah, it's but such yeah, it's a kind of I, cool to be in Paris and have someone be like, oh, I know your story. I love that. That's great. Yeah. I mean, look, the French hate everyone, but they love Californians. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's good. Um, but like, are you, did you study bugs that like, what, where does the bug fascination come from for you? If that was like the thing that you started with when you started with insects. That came in, we started, so we were, we were like a gardening store with, you know, some, you know, nice plants, mostly indoor plants, some outdoor mm -hmm. plants, some, what we thought were well-designed, uh, hand tools. I can't even say how, but at some point we ended up with a, a piece of natural cork bark. You know, it's that kind of uh -huh. bark um, with a few uh, pinned bugs stuck to it. And they were just some beetles that we got somewhere. You know, probably again, just found mm -hmm. some supplier that we put pins through. And, and that then we actually researched how to hydrate them and spread them. So it was, it was kind of a self-education thing again. Okay. That led to you know, them being in kind of more interesting poses on the cork bark. And, <laughs> and we were like, oh, we need to put these in frames. They're going to get all dusty. That led to us framing them. And then eventually. But you, you self-taught that whole process. Yeah, yeah, he did. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, that's technical stuff. Yeah. 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 That's and, awesome. And, and then for a while, so we were the gardening, the weird little gardening store in the alley. And then for a while, people were like the bug store, because <laughs> that was the most dramatic thing you'd see when you walk in mm -hmm. would be like a wall of, of butterflies and beetles. Where did the name, I, I meant to add this to the list, but where did the name Paxton Gate come from? 
So those original two partners uh, were uh, enamored with Sir Joseph Paxton and were thinking Paxton Gardens. Mm -hmm. um, Sir Joseph Paxton was a landscaper, architect, plant collector, kind of, you know, multi-talented uh, guy in the Victorian area, 1860s primarily. Uh, mm -hmm. He designed and built the Crystal Palace for the World's Fair around that okay. time. He was the first to get the giant Amazon water lily to bloom out of the Amazon. Right. Creating these tanks that mimic the flow of the Amazon. Um, he did a, he did a lot of really cool things and was also primarily self-taught. So that kind of connected <laughs> that yeah. way in a good way. Um, and then I, 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 I pushed for the change to Paxton Gate. Uh, somehow knowing, even though we were more of a garden store at the time, mm -hmm. that having a a little bit more uh, a broader name. I was like, you know, Paxton Garden Gardens kind of pigeonholes us into that if we want to do right. more with the name. And we had these giant gates out front of the original location. Mm -hmm. So that, that became Paxton Gate. Yeah, I love that. That's, I mean, it feels really organic, but it also has the story behind it. Yeah. 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 yeah that's nice. Um, and the atmosphere in the store. Mm -hmm. How did that come about? Because it's so it's not just the product, but it's like the, the, it's really the sense of discovery, which I think is so, it's something that keeps coming up when I talk with people about retail is that the people have the most fun in the stores where they're like digging through, where they're able to like seek and find where they don't know what they're going to find. And I think you guys do that really well. And there's like these little I was, when I was standing there and I was looking at the, <laughs> the raccoon feet, there is like the little, um, I was entranced these, those little robot lights, the oh, little yeah. itty bit. And I just was like, what is this thing? And like, is it gonna, is it gonna move? Is it gonna talk to me? Like what's inside? And that I just, I'm absolutely obsessed with them. Um, and I, and then I kept seeing them there was like one and then there's two more and then there's this and so like these it it has this wonderful sense of like there's little pockets of things and that the big old cabinet where you have the minerals like people can pull on the drawers and look at things themselves and you know how did that just happen organically or was that what you wanted in your experience like is that what you enjoy I think it's probably a combination of many things. Part part of it's the just the products themselves sort of mm -hmm. lend themselves to discovery, and they they create what feels like a museum experience. And yeah. people explore museums. You know, this one's different because you can take part of the museum home with you if you want. Um, I think partly uh, out of functionality, but also kind of harking to like. A, you know, scientific storage and, and specimen uh, storage. That's where you get all mm -hmm. these drawers and things. So one, it makes sense to get a lot of minerals into one spot mm -hmm. by putting them in a bunch of drawers. Cause if you have to see all of them at one point, that's going to take up a lot of, you know, mm -hmm. rare footage. Uh, but it also works cool visually because it, it kind of maintains that sort of scientific museum feel by, right. by you know, tagged drawers with, with different elements in them. Right. I think it's it's kind of a little bit of everything. It's it's the that museum feel, and it's just you know it's it's hard not to uh, want to explore products. Yeah. Like also, yeah. I think we, we have a decent amount. You know, we got stuff under glass, but 
but a good portion of it isn't. So it's it's easy to pick up things and touch them and look at them. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that and I out. think it's also exciting because in a normal circumstance, yes, you do only see these kind of things in a museum or something like that. And there's no touching in a museum. And so right. like the idea, <laughs> so it's like, you're almost breaking a taboo <laughs> when you go into Paxton gate, because you, you're, you're able to touch, you're able to feel, you're able to hold it. Um, mm-hmm. most, most of these things, obviously not the taxidermy and things like that, but like, um, even the little bugs in the, in the glass or something like that, you can hold it and look at it really closely. And, um, yeah, it just, it feels, I mean, I, I think I also, when I go in there, I'm like, wait, can I touch this? Like, can I touch the raccoon <laughs> foot? Like, <laughs> um, yeah. So I think it's just like, that's, it's, it's that it's almost, it's like a thrilling kind of encounter with like these things. And then you like look up and there's this massive water Buffalo head looking at you as well. So (laughs) which one is your favorite animal? Uh, The water Buffalo is definitely a a cool one. Uh, We had a a giraffe head a while back. That was really amazing. Um, uh, So that, that would have been one of my favorites. Yeah. The chickens are pretty great too. I like yeah, the chickens that are up above. They pretty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so more of like a business question, but like how how long before you really felt like you had hit your stride in the business? <clears throat> that's a, that's a funny question because it's. Um, I think it, it's like I would say I felt like I hit my stride on and off over the years. So mm-hmm. I opened the business at twenty five years old. Know, and then in your twenties, you know how to do everything, right? <laughs> so, so that <laughs> that's that, the word. That, the word is hubris. Yeah, <laughs> that, that guided my uh, that that guided my confidence, and you know, yeah, led me to have the ability to you know fake it till you make it sort of sort of approach. Um, but I, it's something you know after going almost going on thirty years of doing this now that I've I've seen kind of ebb and flow. So I'll be you know faking it till I make it. Then I'll get to a point where I'm like, I feel pretty, pretty good about this. Mm-hmm. So I, think I, I know what I'm doing now. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it kind of drops back again. And then you're like, Oh wait, no, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And then you learn more. It's kind of mm-hmm. a constant uphill thing. Yeah. Uh, it's over after it, it's only after time that you maybe get wise enough to go like, Oh, this is just how it goes. I'm, I'm, I'm not ever going to know everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that's, that's, I mean, but that's like recognizing that as the wisdom, right? That's where it's like, you have to know what you don't know and know when to ask for help. Yeah. Small business. I think it's, it's like, I've, I've been working in small business for a, a number of years after working in big business for many years. And you think like, oh, I've been in big business. Like this is totally, I have this in the bag and it's just, it's the same, but it's very different breed of cat, you know? So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like big business, my you know, perception at least is it's uh, positions are a lot more uh, specialized, you know, when you have, you know, thousands and hundreds or scores of people working for mm-hmm. it, then, then people are more likely to be responsible for less, you know, mm-hmm. whereas I wear many hats, my e-commerce and marketing guy wears many hats, mm-hmm. so like pretty much everyone where it does many different jobs. How many people are on your team right now? 
got uh, me it's because the website I think our, our our kind of management team is about as big as our retail team. Also, the, that kind of right faded away during the pandemic, and and now they're coming back. But so there's me, uh, technically two buyers because my longtime buyers is uh, moving on, and she's doing a really long kind of overlap training period, mm -hmm. which is great. Got an e-commerce and marketing guy. We've got a full-time uh, fulfillment and shipping mm -hmm. guy. Uh, our um, uh, manager at the retail store, and then three employees at the retail store. And we're going to be we're looking to hire someone mm -hmm. as well because we're going to go back to seven days probably here shortly. Yeah, are you at five right now? Is that what you're doing? We were at five, and then we uh, this month we bumped up to six. Okay, good. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I, it's, it's busy out there and especially now that all the restaurants are open again, it's going to be even more, I think. And you yeah. do you, do you guys stay open later to uh, maximize open, on that foot traffic? Yeah, we, were, we were doing 11 to six when we initially opened after mm -hmm. shutdown, just kind of a, for the minimum, like, so people can get here and we don't have to worry right. about, you know, like having overlapping shifts and breaks, you know, I mean, we would still mm -hmm. have a break, but. Um, and now that expanded to 11 to seven and we're going to open, start opening later on the weekends again, Friday, Saturday, mm -hmm. just till seven probably. That must be, uh, a, a, you must get good traffic in that hour with the restaurants around you. Sometimes that, those... it's still like the late afternoon is sort of the best time, three o'clock, yeah. three o'clock ish, you know, mm -hmm. or even earlier than that. The two to four on a Saturday is my, <laughs> yeah. is what I always when I look back at my traffic trackers, it's like, oof, that's that's when we need the that extra person. Right. Um, so back to like the idea of the store and like, did you always love a cabinet of curiosity idea? I, I discovered those later. The only thing I would say, I mean, I had a lot of related interests as a kid. Like I, mm -hmm. I remember having, a, I don't know how old I was, maybe 10 or so having a mineral collection that I yeah. showed at some fair at the mall, you know, sat at my little table and showed off my minerals with all their minerals <laughs> and things. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I remember having a taxidermy book that I was reading, like a how-to taxidermy book. I don't, I don't think I ever tried it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we grew up with a lot of, on what, where I grew up was a pretty normal way of living. People here would call it a farm, but it was really mm -hmm. just we had like an acre of land and we had goats and chickens and you know geese and a, a you know garden where we grew vegetables mm -hmm. and stuff. a lot of exposure to animals and nature i used to walk around with a little pamphlet when i was a kid that on how to give mouth-to-mouth uh, -mouth resuscitation to a lizard <laughs> in case i just stumbled on <laughs> reading that sounds like I, a boy thing <laughs> <laughs> just never know yeah <laughs> never happened i don't know why but, um but yes, yeah, so I, I just, I kind of always dabbled in that area. I think like habits of curiosities in terms of like the, the collections or something mm -hmm. that I sort of discovered through the evolution of Paxton Gate from quirky mm -hmm. gardening store to, to oddities mm -hmm. store. Yeah. I, and I, um, I think when there was a, there was a really big trend about them, probably like. 2008, 2009, I think when I was, I was working for William Sonoma home at the time. And there was a lot of the 
art that they were buying, a lot of the imagery that they were buying was um, insects as well, or like they were doing like these sort of vintage botanical prints or vintage um, drawings of, you know, lithographs of butterflies or things like that. And it was all about this like cabinet of curiosity idea, but it's a classic thing. And it's kind of something that is, has always been, especially in interiors, it's kind of a, a really interesting layer because I'm a, I mean, that's, that's almost what you're in is almost like, it's like a home accessory line in a way. Right. Yeah. It's like, it's like a home decor store, but yeah, a little bit on the you know, peripheral of what's <laughs> normal. Yeah. 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 Is that what yeah. you, is that how you would describe it? Yeah, I think I mean, we, I, we, you know, there's uh, certainly nothing in Paxton Gate that you absolutely need. You know, it's, <laughs> so it's luxury. <laughs> it's luxury, you know, it's yeah. the core, you know, it, it, yeah. that's how we think of it. You know, when we, we go to, um, we didn't this year, but we usually go to Tucson for this big gem and mineral show. Yeah, every, yeah. It's the biggest show in the, in the world. We buy most of our fossils and minerals for the year. We also go to Denver um, to kind of supplement for the holidays, but mm-hmm. We're, when we're looking at big pieces, minerals or fossils, we're always kind of thinking as like as like mantle pieces. We're not mm-hmm. we held the collectors, but collectors are probably going to go to that show. You know, whereas right. we're selling to people who are interested in either the history or 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 the you know story behind the item, mm-hmm. or frankly, just think it looks really cool and want to put it on their mantle. Right, <laughs> right. Curators, people who are doing it a little more professional fashion, but. So you do have like a trade, you, you have a trade clientele, like the des- interior designers coming in and finding yeah, things. Come in, uh, buy stuff for their clients. We, uh, people come in um, and uh, we'll rent things for photo shoots sometimes. That's oh, really? Of, some reason that was earlier in our, in our earlier years, that was more frequent. I'm not sure why it's less now. Maybe just that's what they're looking for, for those photo shoots. Mm-hmm. Probably during mm-hmm. that, that period you were just talking about, we were renting a lot yeah, more. Yeah, yeah. That's a clever, um, you know, income channel to, to have, you know, like just, yeah, I'll rent it to you. You know, like what I think that's, that's a good way to pivot kind of, you know, maybe they don't want to buy the whole thing outright, but you can still make some money on it. You know? Yeah. We, we learned it in the early years from, um, uh, like stylists, you know, prop stylists. Right. They say, do you rent? And we'd go, um, Sure. How do we do that? <laughs> well, usually it's a percentage and you usually have it for about a week so that you don't have to, you know, turn it around in one day and it's a flat rate for that week. And we're like, okay. And then we just kind of set up the paperwork to accommodate that. And mm-hmm. we'll do it. it just came up the other day. My manager said, someone came in and asked about renting. Do we do that? I was like, yes, let me find that form. You're like everything but the water buffalo because I can't move that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that. Yeah, that's one of the things. And, and plants, you know, things that are, you know, they can't care for. We don't, we don't rent like the um, insects that aren't in a case. Mm-hmm. You just bust off their legs and stuff. So mm-hmm. otherwise pretty much everything is. And do you still do the mounting yourself of the insects? If somebody... I haven't done it for years now. No. Really? We have like a, even uh, even for yourself <laughs> no too too busy unfortunately but yeah uh, but yeah like is i that, said because i i was looking at that in um Royale in paris and just like oh i kind of missed that you yeah know, sliding open the drawer i mean like what you like this one we can frame it for you yeah, yeah that's 
That's so cool. I, I enjoy most crafty things. I like building, you know, I'm okay. well, so yeah. yeah. I, I suppose if I could just do all that stuff and not have to run the business. You know, <laughs> That's the dream, right? <laughs> I just take the crafty part. <laughs> so when you are shopping, what, what are some of your favorite places to shop in? And like, what do you like look for in a store, I guess that you enjoy? Um, there probably everything I like is on Valencia. I, I do leave the area, but I, I, yeah. I sort of have this, uh, fiercely local approach where I try to like, okay, I'll try Valencia first. All right. Mission district. Okay. <laughs> greater San Francisco. Do I have to go further really? It's the uh, same over here. I know. I'm like, can I, I do it all in Laurel Village? <laughs> I shop online like everyone else do, of course. I'm not, you know, not like a, every single dollar goes to Valencia Street. But right. uh, just in, like, honestly, when I get out and think about where I walk to and go into stores, it's, it's on Valencia. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's uh, one store that I love uh, for their their merchandise and also there's a story behind it that's really cool is Bernal Cutlery. Um that's an amazing store. God yeah, it's so one cool. Away from us. Uh they used to be on Guerrero for a while and were up in, in Bernal for a while. But the um husband and wife team that that own and operate the place were previously employees at Paxton Gate. And they actually they actually met there. Mm, oh wow! <laughs> so, Little romance out of the workplace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and that's not. I mean, I I just really like their store too. It's not just because yeah. of that, but it's. Uh, and they actually moved into the the building that they're in is the building where our office is. So we're we're okay. Same building together, so it's kind of a. It felt like a really. Yeah, cool I I love the way that they use that space. It's such a, a great old kind of a. It, it's like this big old room, and it but they really make it so engaging and like everything. I mean, I was a line cook for two years, but the state of my knives at this point in my life is really deplorable. And I went in there and I was like embarrassed for myself. I was like, you need some better knives in your life. <laughs> I'm bringing the knives in. They're a friend of mine's. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Philistine over here doesn't know how to sharpen any knives. Um, no. And I, I, they have some really interesting cookbook titles and things are sort of like a, a, deeper cut of that's terrible, terrible pun, but a deeper (laughs) cut of like, like the titles and what, what the recipes are and where they come from and, um, who's writing them. And I, it's just a really nicely curated store. Yeah. And that's what, I mean, it's hard not to love what they do because almost everyone there is totally passionate about everything. Yeah. That they carry. Like, do you want some knives? Well, yes, it's even it's beyond knives. Like you said, it's cookbooks. It, they've got um, you know cookware, some some tabletop stuff. Uh, I think they're even broadening that a little bit. Um, they had so, condiments and you know and aprons right. and yeah, really yeah, cool stuff. Organic herb mixes and stuff. So it's it's all really. I'm, I'm I have a like a weird like like fatherly pride for them somehow. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I love way. that. I love that. But yeah, I do love that store. Um, there's uh, Acacia Acacia Home down uh, further down in Valencia is a yeah. store that I like. Uh, they've got great soaps and oils. They also do a lot of really well curated tabletop stuff that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, those uh, soaps often make it into uh, stockings around Christmas or away from Santa in case mm-hmm. my daughter do this later. <laughs> um, the um 
often wander is also done there. Uh-huh. Yeah. But jewelry there, but they have a ton of other stuff that they make their own candles and things. Yeah. So and the plants are great in there. The pots, it's a beautiful store too. Yeah. They have really nice things. I, I find myself in now and then. So it's a handful yeah. of places. I'm sure there are many I'm forgetting. But. And where do you go? If not a store, like where do you go for inspiration or to like find something excite? Like how do you find newness? I guess is though. Like, I mean, does... I'd be answering honestly for my buyers. Yeah. Soon to be buyer, but there's two at the moment, <laughs> uh, but it's really, we don't like, we don't, uh, it's it's a different uh, way of of buying. I think like clearly mm-hmm. we've got a, a, our brand that we're trying to represent, um, but it's really like kind of sleuthing around online trying to find things. One interesting product will kind of roll into another product. Um, <clears throat> you mentioned the um, the lamps that look like robot lamps. Obsessed, I love think them. That came from we we somehow met up with this guy who used to do these great like blown glass uh things with like uh skulls inside of them and the skulls are carved in this detailed way and his friend makes these and so it's like this kind of like you find one artist you find they use each other you know kind of looking around on social media following people on social media so we do get we do get you know vendors and makers and salespeople coming to us with Mm -hmm. things but it's really kind of you know, looking, <laughs> searching, and one thing leads to another. That trade shows so much anymore. Um, we maybe things like the like oddities, flea market. Um, or the Oddities Fair mm-hmm. weekend that one of my buyers is going to, and that's less buying there and more going and saying, "Hey, these are really cool. Do you wholesale these things?" And mm-hmm. so we, yeah, there's a few things like that. But like, like you said, it's not like the the mm-hmm. entered trade show is going to have the stuff that we carry, right? <laughs> Which is great. I mean, you, yeah, I mean that's what that's the way you want it, right? That's right. kind of <laughs> makes it harder, but it makes it harder for everybody else too, you know. Um, like some of our longtime vendors that we probably met at trade shows just have been producing stuff that's on brand for us. So we'll get end up getting new stuff because our, mm-hmm. our vendors are making new stuff. And I think, can't think of who those are, but I feel like some of those may have come through going to trade. We used to, we used to wholesale as well. So we were at the trade shows. Mm-hmm. So that, I was shopping trade shows a little more than when I was at them. So you don't wholesale anymore. No, it just, we were, it was just a little too much work to try to do that. And we were, we were like physically making the things ourselves in the back room and mm-hmm. it, it ended up being, and this is when it was like me and like one employee who, by the way, was one of the founders of, mm-hmm. he was my first employee. Oh, okay. <laughs> Actually, okay. Not, not just that he worked for me, but he was my first actual employee. Um, and, you know, you'd like finish a show and for us, we, you know, we get like, maybe what was a lot of orders, probably not, not what some of the big companies are doing, but, and then we'd come back mm-hmm. and make all those things and ship them. And then next thing, you know, the next show, because it was like every six months and it was right. really no time to, there's hardly time to develop new products, much less. I think that's actually when I had mentioned earlier that the displays were doodling in, in Paxton gate and I mm-hmm. went around for inspiration. 
I think mm-hmm. like the, the retail store was getting neglected because I was like in the back room packing up wholesale orders. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. It, it was a, you know, maybe with some, some means of, uh, you know, expanding and having a you know, staff to support it, we could have done it a little more, but uh, it just ended up being like, this is, you know, neither one is doing well. Right. Because I'm doing a little bit of both. Right. So. It's tricky because I, it's like, um, the company that I was most recently working at, like we had a wholesale program, but you know, it, it gets hard because if they place an order and you have it in stock, then you're, then we would be dwindling our stock for the store. And basically then we'd have to wait six weeks to replenish our own stock, which philosophically I have a problem with, like, if it's my customer walking in the door, I want them to have first crack at the best sellers. I don't want it to be going to so-and-so over here. Like, but then, or you can do like a siloed order that's just for them and have that put into production. And then they wait six weeks and then they're upset that they're waiting six weeks, you know, or whatever, you know, and then it's always like the, it is a lot of manpower. So it's, it was kind of, um, I think our owner was going through the same question as you. It's like, does this make sense anymore? Does, is this something that yes, you can make money as long as you can kind of really streamline it in a, in a really effective way. That's not pulling somebody off of the floor to do it, which is tricky. Right. So it's really like it's its own entire business. Right. Oh, yeah. completely. So. Completely. Yeah. So what makes you excited to go into Paxton Gate every day? Well, I actually don't go in every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're still running the business every day. <laughs> Currently working remotely. And even when I'm at the office, which is one block away, I don't get in every day. Um but no, I'm, I'm still really excited by everything we carry. You know, it's uh, several years ago, I started kind of directing my buyer to you know, kind of try to work on brand, but work into other areas. And like this mm-hmm. you know, curio cabinet taxidermy stuff, is this can't last forever. You know, let's make sure that we're showing that, you know, it's the brand that's fun to shop. Right. Yeah stuff and and people just keep wanting and wanting it so we're like all right yeah you know we do we do try to expand and go to other areas that we think fit but it just keeps keeps working for people and and similarly i guess it still works for me yeah and it's but it's 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 so unique there's nothing like it in san francisco i don't think um maybe you would know better than i do but um it's also just so fun to be in there and then experience these products because like, again, you can't experience them elsewhere. And I think it's, that's probably what it is, is like that people are so entranced by just what's on offer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think you can find, I think you can find components of what we do in different stores. Mm -hmm. Uh, Definitely the plants and air plants and stuff have been, we used to, I found those at a nursery at one point. I was like, these are cool. Yeah. And, you know, that was probably seriously like 94. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. Now that you can kind of see them all over the place and they're everywhere. Plants are for that matter, everywhere. People have, even during the pandemic really just kind of dove headfirst into mm-hmm. homes. But yeah, I don't think um, that you can get that same, you can't get everything in one spot that I know of. Right. Right. It's not like I get very far from Valencia Street, so who knows what's out there. But what would you think um, when you're if 
and I think it's great that you have a devoted buyer. That's really, that's, that's really nice to know that a small business has that. Um, we were, we were always like multitasking and sort of sharing that, um, at my old company. And, um, if you, when you were instructing them, like, let's make sure that it's the brand and not just the product line, like, what were you thinking it would you, what was the direction you were thinking of? At that time I was kind of like pushing, cause we've, we've always had, we have sort of a internal guideline of uh, curiously mind expanding for our brand description. Mm-hmm. Occasionally that'll show up in, as like a tagline somewhere. Um, we also have the oddities inspired by the garden and natural sciences, which is a little more our, our formal tagline. Mm-hmm. So those kind of work together, but there's this, always this kind of outdoors and nature thing that that goes through everything we do, really. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a planted formal garden or whether it's just, you know, fossils and minerals, which are part of nature, whether mm-hmm. it's animals that are now preserved as dried specimens or taxonomy or bone, mm-hmm. everything kind of looks to nature. So that was where we were kind of looking like, you know, can we, how can we get into the sort of out there, outdoors area where we're not, you know, we're not going to sell tents, you know, <laughs> but, you know that kind of thing. it's not it's a sports also, basement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and it's a, that's, that's a, you know, camping and going outdoors is an interesting right. life. That's always been sort of a, a, a guiding principle, certainly more so when I was doing the buying myself, mm-hmm. just, I like this, it fits mm-hmm. I'll put it in the store or someone, there must be someone like me who'll like it too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was that the kind of nature and outdoors was sort of one of the areas we're pushing into a little more. Mm-hmm. And you have a bigger kids section now, I think, which is kind of fun with the the globe hanging, the planets hanging, and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that was we we had the kids store down the street, which we closed a few years ago, and mm-hmm. we expand so that we had a a, a kids section in Pasadena in the early two thousands that we broke off extremely expanded into a, a store that branched yeah. out toys and all sorts of stuff and then we sort of brought back a a you know smaller than the, the kids store but a bigger than the previous section mm-hmm. so you know, we, you know, we, we've definitely pushed that section pushed the boundaries on that a little bit but still trying to stay on brand mm-hmm. which is it, it's nice because i think like kids especially with like 826 valencia's pirate store a couple steps down i mean it's like a wonderland between Paxton Gate and that, like kids must go crazy. They must yeah. love it. Yeah. Go into A26 and, you know, dig for like a marble for free and right. in the, uh, the sand and then go next door and yeah, touch all the things that you're allowed to touch and some things yeah. you're not allowed to touch. Yeah. Yeah. I went, I went in there the other day when I was walking around and I, called i i sent a text to my sister and my niece is nine and i said tell tell her that i um i went to a pirate store today and that there were locks and knots and like lots of things to buy and lard and you know and so <laughs> like she's she's not been to san francisco yet she lives on the east coast but i um i'm like there's a there's a pirate store waiting for you <laughs> so yeah i mean i think like i think that's that's it's, it's just like really magical. Like, do you feel like you're creating that magic or does it just happen? <laughs> I don't know if I am personally, but I think it's kind of the same as the atmosphere, sort of the confluence of all these things coming together. Yeah. 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 
And just for the pandemic, like what, so you guys closed obviously with, and how did you open last June when it, the reopening happened? I'm trying to remember exactly. So we closed during the required closing period. Um, we then, no, then we switched my, I had a very hesitant staff and, and manager at the time about, uh, having contact with the public. Yeah. So we opened for basically like curbside shopping or curbside pickup. If you ordered online, mm -hmm. you could come to the door and we'd bring things to you kind of thing, plexiglass hanging there, mm -hmm. um, that eventually, um, you know, expanded to, uh, you know, limited numbers of people coming in where we, you know, check temperatures and clean your hands masks oh wow first. yeah that, and that was that was during so the the limited number of people was the state and or local requirement and then right and i added on the temp checks and cleaning just yeah that's next level was, we <laughs> yeah it was kind of like it, it was kind of we wanted to, people to just get a feeling for how we how seriously we were treating you know we we didn't expect to and never took someone's temperature that was 101, 100.4, as they say, to look for. Um, but it was just more like, okay, so we're, you know, you see we're checking your temperature and we're asking you to clean your hands. So right. we probably don't have to ask you to keep your mask on when you're in. You know? Right. Um, and then we had, you know, a rope at the door just so we can monitor the, the numbers. Mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. the, so the numbers kept going up and we kept the rope. And then eventually we, now that's all gone. And we had, right. Yeah, sneeze guards at the all the stations where people might be, and now we just have one a glass right. left at the cash wrap. And how? I mean, did sales maintain? Did they go up, go down? I mean, if you were doing more online sales, so online that... sales did really well. We we did kind of a I can't remember what the number was, but a, like a fifteen percent off site wide or something right mm -hmm. right after the. Um, uh, shut down. So when we were closed initially, you know, just like everyone, I was like, oh, this is just gonna be a couple of weeks probably. So, <laughs> so I was like, well, let's just, uh, let's just put it like a little banner on the front page that says, you know, hey, if you can help us out in order now, we'll ship them as soon as we're back in the store. Mm -hmm. And a couple of weeks later, lots of orders coming in and then seeing how it was going to go, I was like, this is not going to happen <laughs> so so i yeah. put everyone was furloughed so i went in and started like packing up all the orders mm -hmm. that we were getting to ship them and then eventually i brought back the uh e-commerce guy and kind of between the two of us we he'd pull orders i'd pack them and he'd do the processing to ship them for a while mm -hmm. um so during that period online did uh really well like probably three or four times what we did the prior year wow that's mm -hmm. great Clearly, in-store sales were zero when we were closed. Once we opened back up with the limited numbers in the store, and then we were still probably, you know, eighty percent below last year. Mm -hmm. I'd say now, with you know vaccines uh, out, and with uh, San Francisco in particular doing really well with numbers and mm -hmm. this crazy weather we're having, uh, you know, we're probably edging our way toward. Uh, 2019 numbers again which is good yeah that's great wow Normally we always compare to last year but it's like well no, no there's no ly there's no ly in 2021 like you have to go back we're just gonna skip 2020 yeah we did the same i was like that's a false number right there <laughs> and then web sales i mean people were just they're shopping online like crazy whether yeah. you know 
And obviously, like I said earlier, not, you don't need anything. There's no reason anyone needs anything during the pandemic no. fast and gate. No. So, so I so those the web sales are kind of back down to where they were before. So we're we're gonna hope to try to right. You know, we're in the process of building those. So we're taking it from But it's interesting because you are home decor. I mean, people were spending a lot of money on their homes during yeah. the pandemic where they're doing like a refresh they're doing you know new pillows new accessories new stuff True. because yeah, yeah. they're home all the time right <clears throat> so that's that could be also the psychological reason behind you know like you're getting a boost for that yeah i thought it, I thought it was that plus maybe just a little bit of retail therapy like i just feel weird being yeah. in the house i want to spend money i don't know why that makes yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no, it's, I mean, that's exactly it too. I mean, gosh, we're, it's still, um, I, I agree. I, w- I was like in that mode of like, I don't need anything. Like I really don't, but I'm going to, I'm going to need some nicer sweatpants, you know, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I need. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and what do you, are you, I mean, it sounds like you have such a healthy business going. Are you optimistic about retail in San Francisco given like what, I mean, cause there's still, I mean, Valencia is really doing well, but other pockets of the city, there's a lot of boards up. There's a lot of closures. Um, what do you think? What are you thinking about that? Or do you have any? It's hard to say. I mean, there's, I, if, if it's represented in the rents, then we could get kind of a, you know, like a, a bunch of new businesses coming out. Yeah, that that's what was really cool about the like early two thousands on Valencia is the the types of stores that were. Open. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. it was like people were like, I'm I've been making this thing in my living room that I've been selling online, and now I want to open a store. I'm going to yeah pre Etsy. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I, I I'm. I'm cautiously optimistic that something might like that might happen but i don't i don't see rents really diving down too low especially along valencia yeah but hopefully it could bring in bring in a little bit more of that kind of ingenuity that that you used to see along the corridor like newer kind of fly by the seat of your pants kind of startup is the wrong word but it's really what it was it's like it's it's like a a owner operator who has some vision they they want to share Mm -hmm. And they're gonna make it and sell it, or they're gonna, you know, curate it and present it. And that mm-hmm. that that sort of owner operator model is is not as prevalent on the corridor as it used to be. They're playing. Okay. They're playing. You know, there's the merchants group that I'm a member of, and, and there are a lot of people who are you know working in those stores. It's, it's definitely not uh, all all like web companies or anything. Right. Right. <laughs> sure. Touch those shops. Yeah. There's still, I think. I think people still want to shop, you know, that yes, they've been sitting in front of their computers for a year, 18 or 15 months, and they want to get out there. They want to see what's out there. They want something exciting. And, um, you know, a friend of mine is a, is a stylist and he's like, they, you know, the, the department stores downtown have nothing cool to even look at. It's all just like boring stuff that they've kind of trotted out that they have too much of. And, no, nobody's producing anything yet. Nobody's like buying anything yet. Like it's all, everybody's kind of a little bit starved for something exciting, you know? Yeah. So it seems to me like, especially in the, you know, how much time people are spending online now in, in zoom meetings and, and similar, it seems like 
people want to will still want to shop not necessarily for you know they don't they don't go out like you go to amazon because i need this you know mm-hmm. i'm gonna buy something and i need mm-hmm. i know exactly what it is i'm just gonna go order it but if right. you just want to shop and find something cool that you enjoy I, I feel like especially with all that time people are spending online they might just want to do it in person and right go around a cool place and see if there's anything i want well this you is the thing about Right. That's the thing about online. That's the missing puzzle piece of an online experience is that that sense of discovery, because you, when you go online and you go to Amazon or you go wherever, even just typing, you have to type it into Google to find, to start finding the thing you have to, you have to start by knowing what you're looking for. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So, but when you're out walking around and go in somewhere like Paxton gate or, you know, eight to six Valencia or wherever Bernal cutlery, you're like, wow. I didn't know I needed this thing, but I'm going to have it like, you know, so it's that, it's that idea of like the stores, people still want to be told what they need and retail stores are still doing that. Yeah. Online doesn't do it. Online, but you still have to, you know, there's not really, you don't, you're still going to that website. Right. You need a nucleus of an idea to get there. Yeah, As opposed to going to just Valencia. And walking along and seeing what cool things I might find. Right, right. And there is so much. I don't think brick and mortar sales ever really dying. It's certainly, it's harder, you know, with costs going up and and right. It's tough. It's expensive to operate a business in San Francisco, so uh, it's it's tough on anyone who tries to do it. I think, but I don't I don't see I don't see the world turning to one hundred percent online. Yeah, you know, we probably have to make some changes like. You know, same day delivery. <laughs> right, exactly. Here, just set up your 3D printer and we'll like download it to you, like, <laughs> whatever it is. So if somebody were to start a business in San Francisco in 2021, what would your first piece of advice be? Uh, I don't know. Um, uh, if they're new to it, uh, new to uh, being a small business owner, I would tell them to get ready for a lot of work uh <laughs> you know you're <laughs> un- unless you come to it you know with a lot of backing and and you're you know somehow starting with a lot of money and then like a huge staff on day one you know on day one you're the, the buyer the seller mm-hmm. the janitor the person who has to do it all Re, you know, take the garbage out. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so from a small business perspective, it's kind of like remember, there's you know, there's, there's, you're you're doing everything from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, but it's pretty satisfying to <laughs> to know that you've done it. <laughs> yeah, and there's doing some, it. some um, I don't know what the word if the word's pride or if there's some solace or whatever it is in in uh, you know people. I have a number of people that work for me. And I've done almost everything that they've done at some point. So yeah. it's not like I just you know, came in. So yes, I'm the I'm the, I'm at the top now. I'm I'm in charge, but but I, I effectively worked my way up because I did everything on my way up. So I've taken the garbage out. Yes, I'm asking you to take it out now. Right. <laughs> but I did I have well. I have cleaned the toilet. I'm asking you to do it. Yes, like, I know. <laughs> I still I still tend to be the handyman and come in and fix things <laughs> or yeah. That's great. Um, I think you're just, I think it's just such a fun store and I just, I hope it's around for many, 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 20, is it 20 years? 
30 years. Uh, it'll be almost, this is our 29th year. So. 29th year. Oh my gosh. Are you so on the heritage we, list yet? The, no, we haven't done it. We, we qualify because I think 25. Yeah. We do it. Yeah. So just haven't done the paperwork for it yet. That's amazing. Congratulations. That's great. Well, thank you again. Any questions for me? Uh, no, I don't think so. It was really nice talking to you. Thank you so much to Sean Quigley of Paxton Gate. You can find Paxton Gate at 824 Valencia Street near 19th Street. You can shop online at paxtongate.com and follow the brand on Instagram at paxtongate. The Door Stays Open was written and produced by Annie Wilson. That's me. Our logo is designed by Kim Mitchell, and you can email us at doorstaysopen at gmail. And please follow the podcast on Instagram at doorstaysopenpod, where you can see images of the people I interview and get some fun background information too. Please subscribe, rate, and review The Door Stays Open wherever you listen. Thanks for joining me. And until next time, please remember to shop local so that the door stays open.